Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern and iconic family classics, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. And with new series, episodes, movies, and fresh content arriving every week, AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manu Weff and today we have lots to discuss. The latest results in the Russian Premier League, updates on Spartak, um, young talent Mikhail Ignatov, question, we got a really interesting question on Zenit. We have to discuss that, the tight table in the Russian Premier League and the all-Ukrainian derby. To help, help me discuss all of this is Tim Bokterchev. Tim, how are you doing? Um, you were missing in action last week and, uh, <laughs> been sort of replacing Andrew who was missing in action this week. So, um, a little bit short, um, this, this, this last couple of weeks, but I'm pretty sure we'll be back in full, in full strength next week. Good morning, Manu. Yeah, I I hope last time I was able to escape uh, the conversation about my club because of everything, negativity and everything was happening uh, with my with Spartak Moscow. But um, I'm back this week and we still want to talk about it. So we'll talk about it, obviously. But um, yeah, I thought I, I escaped it, but I, I wasn't very successful last week. So here we go back again. Uh, sorry for missing the last spot. I, I listened to it. I really enjoyed it. So thank you for uh, some kind words what you said uh, towards me that's appreciated uh, but I'm still completely broken I'm still in tragedy I'm still in tears because Massimo Carrera was fired this is an absolute disgust uh, from the uh, from the management of Spartak Moscow I really don't want to support this club anymore this is very emotional this is absolute uh, this is a tragedy because they betrayed the fans they betrayed everything what is what is what this club is about this is this is absolutely outrageous Wow, um, Tim, I was I was going to talk about that eventually. <laughs> um, it's it is no, a, it is an crazy. interesting one for me because we, we chatted about that yesterday, and uh, I think Andrew and I used the term uh, "Spartak verdunt it up." Um, yeah, to to explain it, and um, it is it is an interesting one because. I mean, when you look at the results, the way results have gone this week, it, it's a very tight table. And I mean, we're going to talk about how tight the table is in, in a few moments. But Spartak are seventh, right? That, that yeah. on paper doesn't look very good. 
Um, they were there seventh last week as well because um, I did the the preview on um, footballgrad.com for the you know we do one or two matches a week on um, that we preview on footballgrad.com and uh, the one game that I obviously chose um, for for very obvious reasons was um, Ruben against Spartak and um, because of all of the things that are going on at both clubs I mean we discussed Ruben Kazan's financial fair play issues last week already and uh but they're, they're seventh and they were seventh going into this match day and when you look at all the results um you know everyone left right and center is dropping points they are only really three points out of second place yeah you know and they so were there's, there's there's no absolutely reason for firing massimo carrera yes the game is not uh, the game is not beautiful but uh nothing really is happening it's three points away from champions league yes the is having a good season but they're also not perfect they also make mistakes they also lose points pretty much um you know you can't win the league every year but will the new coach who will come in absolutely gonna catch the zenit and uh, close that this uh, uh nine point gap i cannot guarantee that is that really what this is about is this about spartak trying to close the nine point gap to zenit because i really can't see a new coach doing that either exactly i mean I, my, one of the things that we discussed last week was with quincy promise going on the last day of the transfer window and then there's no replacement coming in we exactly. all remember the disaster with uh, luan last year right they want uh, they really wanted to sign luan from gremio and then they ended up with petro rocha instead i mean yeah. this is this is not massimo carrera there's there's other people in in this organization that are in charge of running spartak and they're not exactly doing the best job either so exactly, is this really about Leonid Fidun being upset that Spartak are so far behind Zenit? Because I mean, uh, realistically speaking, no one might be catching them this year. Exactly. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. Absolutely right. I don't really know what to add. And speaking of people who run in Spartak, uh, this is an absolute ridiculous situation because. Okay, if they have their reasons to fire Massimo Carrera, who represents everything what Spartak is all about? Who is intelligent man? Who is honest? Who is working hard? Who is who is really uh, proud to be uh, to be the coach? Who is really does everything to make this team better? Okay, if for some reason they think he is not <clears throat> a good candidate as of right now to be the coach, okay, if you have this plan, at least line up something. Where is the backup plan? You have a two-week national team break. You give Massimo Carrera to to work it. The first game after the national team break, you lose, uh, and then you fire the coach. And then every three days you have a football game. Even if the new coach comes in, there's 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 no way to provide the results. There's no way. There's no to change anything because the team will be just in the recovery stage. Uh, because what what are you thinking? What is what is the plan here? If you fire Massimo Carrera. And you bring the new coach and you don't, you don't even have one because they're now, they're now choosing original idea was Stanislav Cherchesov, but he obviously beats it with the national team. He's not crazy to, to, to let the national team down. Then they switched to Oleg Kononov. Then the fans got crazy and got behind Massimo Carrera and they got really, really mad. Then they started thinking about Valeri Karpin. It's, it, there's no plan. You, you managing the club, which is, which is about, you know, to fight for Champions League and potentially the trophies in Russia. You fire the coach mid-season in, in, in the series when they're the crucial games. They're the, you play in every three days when you have Europa League games, crucial games, and you have no replacement. What kind of professionalism is that? Yeah, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound very professional. Um, yeah, I said this, I think last week that 
if you want to replace a coach, the best time to do it is usually around that national team break, right? Exactly. Because it gives you a good two weeks to sort of take stock and um, prepare, prepare the team, look at scout players in the organization, um, take a closer look at at, at what you have. Um, and so it's, it seems, it seemed really odd timing. And, um, I'm just looking, taking a look at the schedule, um, Tim, because you, you're quite right. So match day 13 is this Saturday. Then much where match day 14 right away. Um, there's, we're talking one, two, three, four, five match days, um, until the winter break. Plus the cup, plus Europa League. Plus the cup, plus Europa League. There's three more games in the in the Europa League, <clears> and then of course the Russian Cup, um, which yeah, is Thursday. Yeah, which is Thursday. So, where is the time? Yeah. Uh, do you do this during the winter break? Then is, that's really you know my next question is is that when they're going to do this, or are they going to bring in the coach now and just have him? Uh, tool up on the fly or are they you know remember when we talked about Raul Riancho being signed um, by the Spartak Moscow and this this was when we had Vadim on at some point remember and um, because Raul Riancho of course is is a coach um, everyone just says he's a is a fitness coach but of course he's much more than that because he worked very closely with Sehei Reprov at Dynamo Kiev um, he worked with Andrei Shevchenko at the Ukrainian national team he's a he's a coach with a strong reputation, um, someone who makes players better, but is that the guy that you go forward with? Um, I mean, I've seen the matches against Rangers. I watched the match against Ruben Kazan. I, there wasn't very much substance there, um, to, to say it nicely. Yeah, to be quite honest, I'll be honest, as much as I support Massimo Carrera, we had issues with the actual football game on the field this season. Um, I it wasn't the, it wasn't really working, but at the same time results were there. We are still three points away from Champions League. Nothing really happening. Even if you compare to last season, Spartak is four points better off than they were at the same point of time in 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 in, in last year, and we still <clears throat> finished in the in the, in the top three. So that. Uh, I'll be honest, yes, the, the game this season wasn't really working, but there are some reasons for that. Like you said, uh, Quincy Promise was sold. Uh, there um, there were some issues with uh, players' form, and in some games we were playing four or five uh, players from the youth team. Uh, Lomavitsky, Maksimenko, Raskazov, Ignatov, uh, the new signing Tashaev. So those are young players, and they need to, to be fit in. But at the same time, the results were there. But to answer your question, even, like I said, even if Massimo Carrera was fired, what, what, what's the next step? And uh, first of all, there's no there's no plan B, but obviously Raul Riancho, like you said, he is in charge right now. He said in the interview that when he joined Spartak Moscow and at, at the interview, he was asked, in case uh, um, in case uh, is 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 there an option for you if you <clears throat> would you be able to take charge of the team as a first coach? So he was asked that that at interview. So apparently, so looks like the the firing of Massimo Carrera of the season was considered. Mm. And he said yes, and he uh, said publicly numerous times in different interviews that he wants to keep the job. He says, um, "I'll do anything to keep this job as a national, as 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 a main coach." So he really wants 
that job. So that's the existing option, and that's option number number one. Like I said, there's also um, there are discussions with uh, Alek Kononov, who is the former Krasnodar co- coach, former Ahmad Grozny coach, and current coach of Arsenal Tula. That's uh, one of the options, and the second option is uh, Valery Karpin. Uh, from what I understand, and from and again, this is all a bit of uh, my uh, imagination and rumors which are happening around the team. I'm not sure how much truth is, th- is this and that because it's top-level politics in Russian football and just in general. But uh, what happened is that uh, once uh, Massimo Carrera was fired, that was very, very negatively taken amongst uh, the fans of, of Spartak Moscow. Um, and uh, the reaction of fans was very similar to mine. Uh, why are you doing this? What's what's happening? And uh, when it was announced that Spartak is looking to hire Alek Kononov, nothing against against this, this coach. I actually feel bad for the coach because if he comes in, he comes in is a com- in a complete uh, crazy situation uh, in Spartak Moscow. It, it won't be easy for him because first of all, following steps of beloved Massimo Carrera and joining not the most not the easiest situation in the club. But you know. That was one of the options, and and fans were so mad that people uh, they were returning their season tickets. They they were talking about boycotting the games. They were also talking about boycotting the local gas stations, mm-hmm. not to fill up there. So obviously, <clears throat> as we we discussed out, outside of the pod, uh, Leonid Fidum, who is the president of club. He also works at Lukoil. He is one of the top managers of Lukoil, but he's not the number one man. The number one man is Vagit Alikberov, who is makes all the decisions in Lukoil. He is the, the main the main person there. He doesn't care about football. Obviously, because Lukoil is the main spon- sponsor of Spartak, he has to be somehow involved, but he he's not. He doesn't care. He cares about the image of his company, Lukoil. And when he sees there's so much negative press and all the negative press and all the fans are negative towards uh, the management of the club, which equals Luke Oil, he doesn't like that. So from what I understand, he was very, very unhappy with the, uh, with the situation, regardless of it's Massimo Carrero, Ali Kononov, or, or whoever it is. He was worried because the fans were really, really turned back on the management, again, a.k.a. Luke Oil. He mm-hmm. doesn't need any negative press against Luke Oil. That's why, that's why how I understand the the option of Valeri Karpin um, turned out because Valeri Karpin is loved by fans. He's the former he's the former player. He um, he coached Spartak twice. He uh, brought Spartak twice to the second place. Brought Spartak back to Champions League. So he had results. He obviously not as beloved as Massimo Carrera because Massimo Carrera won the league and provided some very very good results. But Valeri Karpin, he is the person. If he comes on, he is probably at this point point right now the only person who would calm the fans down. Not every single fan will be behind Valeri Karpin, but at least the uh, the, the fans will come down and and you know they will support Valeri Karpin uh, if that happens. So. As I said, there's no real, I guess the plan B was Alek Kononov. Hmm. Uh, but uh, with all the negative press and everything else, um, the option of Valeri Karpin uh, happened. And as of right now, I don't really I don't really understand what's happening. Yeah, Raul Rianchi, he wants to stay. He, from what, uh, from somebody wrote in the newspapers that uh, he was given four matches to kind of lock his job up. At the same, there were also um, notices that Alek Kononov already left, not left, but like said goodbyes to the players of Arsenal Tula. Uh, at the same time, there was there was news that uh, Valery Karpin and Rostov management had meetings with uh, Spartak 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of um, canceling the contract, because both coaches, apparently, Valeri Karpin and Alec Konov, they don't have the buy- buyout clause. So it doesn't really make that easy to cancel that <clears throat> that contract. So they just need to come up with some amount of money, which will fit both organizations. So it's I yeah. uh, to me, that sounds like it wasn't anything planned. No. Why you fire a coach in... Uh, that's absolutely it doesn't sound it's planned at all. I, I, I maybe to, to just add to the, uh, Vagi Dalek Perov, um, bit, uh, Tim. I, I think this is a very, very interesting character. Cause, um, I, I remember when I wrote my PhD dissertation on, on Russian football and the, the whole economic structures of different football clubs. Vagi Dalek Perov is a very rich man and he quite right. He doesn't care very much about football. But his company, Luke Oil, has very much taken over Spartak in, in a sense that the, the way the club is, is advertised in, in Moscow, right? You, yeah. you look at the Odkriti Arena. Odkriti is, is, is a company that's owned by, by Luke Oil, right? Um, you look at the, the way the, the shirts are designed these days. You look at the color schemes. They're all been slightly, it's all been slightly altered to fit that Luke Oil image, yes. right? And Absolutely. Alec Perov, um, there's always been rumors um, that Alec Perov, he, he's worth, I just looked this up, he's worth 19.1 billion US dollars. It's a very rich man. I mean, Fidun is rich, but I mean, Alec Perov is, has four times the net worth that Fidun does. It's a very, very rich man. He's the owner of Russia's largest private company. Um, just let that sink in for a moment, right? So, he doesn't say things about Spartak very often, but when he does, <laughs> the, yeah. you, you know, you know, you know how bad the situation is. And I think, I mean, Alec Perov, there, there's an article that I did a few years ago about his influence at Spartak. There was even rumors, remember when Leonid Fidun stepped down as president, that yeah. now it would emerge that Alec Perov was actually always the man behind it. Um, he, he's not, he's not a football fan. He, for him, it's all a business. It's all about making money, growing the image yes. of his company. And Spartak is a very good club for that if things go well, because it's the largest club with the largest fan base in Russia. Absolutely. Uh, next to Zenit, who are of course owned by Gazprom, you know, so it's gas against oil. That's basically it. That's what Luke Oil's investment in Spartak is. It's a huge image campaign thing and um you know things are bad and I, I find this interesting the things that you said about Spartak fans boycotting gas stations people will be saying well that's not a big deal I mean we estimate that there's 20 million Spartak fans in Russia yeah <laughs> that's a lot of people boycotting potentially boycotting gas stations so I can see why and he's it's, upset. it's also the you're right it's the image yeah 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 it- it, it's the image. It's not even like, yeah, they maybe not miss out on, on the gas sales. Maybe they will. Who knows? I don't know uh, the, uh, the the sheer amount of, of uh, gas sales from Spartak fans, but it definitely creates the negative press. And he does it, like you said, he doesn't care about football. He cares about the business. He does that to to promote his brand. Also, uh, what's important to him is when Spartak plays in Europe and Champions League, that Luke Oil logo on the shirts is being represented in the biggest tournament of uh, in in Europe, which yeah. is very important to him. At the same time, even if people don't don't uh, don't fill up uh, on uh, gas stations of Luke Oil, they say about it, they talk about it, they put banners on it, they put banners with uh, crossing out, you know, like the stop sign, but with uh, with Luke Oil and crossing out logo. He doesn't need that. No, 
And you have to remember too, and you mentioned the Champions League and Europa League, Lukoil is one of the few Russian companies that operate in places like the United States. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you're saying, well, <laughs> people saying, okay, well, what about, what do they care about the global image? I mean, Luke Oil and Gazprom are two companies that actually very represent, very, very much present, um, present and outside the, or outside of the Russian Federation. These are big companies and for, for Luke Oil, um, to, to basically, um, not be in the Champions League. I mean, I read, um, I read a book last night about, um, this is, this is slightly off topic about Saudi Arabia and how Luke Oil is one of the major investors there. And, um, you know, those, those, that's again image, uh, the Champions League, the Europa League, those are competitions that are watched there. And, um, this, this game against Rangers, for example, um, and I, I, I found the timing really interesting that Alec Perov spoke out right around the time that Spartak played Rangers because this was a game that was, that, that was aired, um, all over the world. There's a lot of Rangers fans all over the world, right? It's one of the two biggest clubs in Scotland. There's Scots tend to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. So this is a game that's watched. And I watched this game and then we did the, the match report on footballgrad.com and the, the match analysis afterwards. And hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC Plus, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC Plus. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. I mean, it was not pretty watching, Tim. So when we take, so the one thing is the, 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 the things that are happening off the field now because Carrera is fired, right? Um, Fidun said the results just weren't there and there was no sight of it getting better. But when you look at the candidates that they're now looking at, I mean, we're looking at Kononov. Um, you know, I remember him from his time at Grasnodar. Yeah. You know, that, that wasn't, I mean, Grasnodar moved on from him because the, 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 the the football wasn't there, right? Um, Gazinski always likes to play beautiful football and they do it now, but they didn't back then. And Valery Karpin, I absolutely 100% respect what he's doing at Rostov. I think it's fantastic work, but beautiful football it is not. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 definitely no. Five, five in the back, contra-attacks. Yeah. It's basically more of the same. So, um, and Carp and Fedun haven't worked out in the past, haven't they, Tim? 
they completely burned bridges. That's why that's why uh, he was not in the list of candidates originally, from what I understand, because uh, the um, uh, the um, Fidun called him when 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 Valery Karpin left uh, uh, Spartak for for final time. He called him a uh, fallen pilot. It's it's in Russian. There's a saying meaning that. Um, yeah, it's it's not a very nice thing to say. He pretty much burned bridges with Valery Karpin, and uh, everyone understood that Valery Karpin never will be back in Spartak as the when Fidun is there because they really they really could really burn the bridges in not in a very nice way. And Valery Karpin also said some things about Leonid Fidun, which also not very nice. So you can understand uh, that that connection to Vagita Likberov, why Valery Karpin is happening because if if it wasn't for him. I don't think uh, I don't think uh, you know Valery Karpin was was in contention. And again, it's not like Vagitalik Petrov cares a big fan of Valery Karpin. He needs to calm the fans down, and that's that's where the the competition the, the the conversation is there. But you're right. I don't really see how, with all the respect, Alek Kononov or Valery Karpin will do a significantly better job than what Massimo Carrera was doing. So, so and significantly better job will be uh, catching up Zenit. So I don't I don't see any coach who will come in right now and will do this job and close the nine point gap in the next 20 matches before the end of the season, because that would be significantly better than Massimo Carrera, because Massimo Carrera is still uh, even at seventh, but it's three points away from um, from Champions League group. And we like I said, we have a little bit less than 20, 20 matches to go. So I it, it, it's I don't I don't really understand how. Yes, yes, there was there was um, three games at home, which we lost in a row. That happens. That wasn't uh, th- that wasn't nice. But again, it's it's not a tragedy. It's not something that you know that you 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 fight in relegation of Spartak. Um, so I agree with you. I don't really see, with all the respect, how Alek Kononov, who whose past places of work were in Ukrainian league in Krasnodar, which won nothing, was just played played Europa League football. Uh, Ahmad Grozny, where it didn't work out for him. And Arsenal Tula, which is a medium-sized club in Russia. So you're taking a person whose best result was playing in, in Europa League, and you're hoping that the, the biggest club in Russia, he will win the league. That does, doesn't make sense to me. The same thing with Valery Karpin. Yes, Valery Karpin uh, brought Spartak twice to Champions League in the past. But after that, he had a very unsuccessful period in Torpedo Armavir. He wasn't very successful in Mallorca in Spain. He was fired from there again. There's there's certain reasons for that. I don't think it's only his fault, but I'm just judging by the results. And now he's working in Rostov. Uh, like you said, yes, they are, they are in the top with a fairly mediocre team and good mediocre players. But the football he plays, he plays a very very cautious football. Uh, if if he will bring this football to Spartak, I don't think fans will be happy. So honestly, I agree with you. There's 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 there's. Uh, there's absolutely no sense, and I don't see how those candidates, which are being discussed right now, and the third candidate is Raul Rianchi, who has no experience of being the top, uh, the top, the top coach. So, uh, I I feel that like this, the firing of Master Makarara, it's not only a bad managerial decision; it's also betrayal of everything what Spartak is all about. Finding the coach first time in the 16 years who won you the league, who is a gentleman, who is stands for everything what Spartak historically is for, uh, what Bratis Tarstin were all about, at being honest, at being supporting the club. Maestro Carrera never spoke a bad word about referees. For example, we all remember how Luchescu arrived in yeah. Zenit and how he was moaning. Maestro Carrera is everything what Spartak historically represents, and you 
without any significant reason, without any significant results. You let this person go who won you the league first time in 16 years. Okay, so wait another 16 years to win another trophy. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just the, the final bit to add on, on this particular topic. We're, go we're going to stay with Spartak just for a little longer after that. Um, the question that I have, and this is, this is something that Carrera has been criticized. We remember the, the poem, um, that was, you know, criticizing the way Spartak play. Mm -hmm. I look up and down this league and the way teams play a, a Russian football. In order to be successful in Russian football, you do not play pretty football. Yes. I, I think that that's, that's, I think that's maybe one of the fundamental things that you have to sort of understand when it comes to, to watching this league. A lot of teams play with three in the back. A lot of teams turn, start with five, three, two that turns into a three, five, two when they go on the attack. It's a lot of very tactical football. It's been low scoring football for a few years now. And Carrera, um, tried to adjust to that a bit, you know, making the game, trying to make the game a bit prettier. Um, he went, for example, for, um, he made, went to four in the back, um, this season. But you look at, for example, Karpin at, we, we mentioned him already. He plays with five in the back. He's very successful with it. Um, we've seen what Victor Goncharenko is doing. Um, yes, they lost this week, but you, you see what they're doing and they, they played with a very young squad, the youngest squad in the league, a massive rebuild for CSKA, but they also play 3-5-2. And all of these teams that are getting points at the moment, they all play with, with, with that in mind. Um, I mean, even Zenit are not shooting out the lights, um, exactly. with, with their big squad. It's just, it's just not the league for it. And it's now, now we're getting into November. Um, you know, yeah. tomorrow is November 1st. It's going to get very cold, <laughs> very quick. Absolutely. And that the football is going to get even more defensive. So I, 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 this is, this is the thing that I don't understand is, I, I mean, if the results are there, uh, yeah. the expectations, if, if you want to watch beautiful football, um, you know, maybe you're just investing in the wrong league. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I know there's exceptions. There's Krasnodar who are playing, where we're playing very pretty football, uh, at the moment, but, um, they're also in the south of Russia. There's a, there's a different mentality there. There's the, the south of Russia has always been more susceptible for it, right? Uh, I mean, I remember the, the nickname for Dinamo Tbilisi, for example, was always the, the, the Uruguayans, right? Um, back in the day when the Uruguayans still played nice football. So I, I just don't know what the expectations are. And maybe, um, that's the number one thing that they need to think about as a club. What, what are, what are our expectations? Are we going to be this team playing, being the benchmark of Russian football, playing beautiful football? But then maybe you should also not sell your best player on exactly like that <laughs> without having any backup plans, um, because that's not how, how the world goes around. So uh, this is, this is just, I think a few fundamental questions that they have to ask themselves. Um, so if the club is so concerned about image, then maybe you should also make the sort of investments that lead to an image you want to represent. Um, exactly. That's my final point. But Tim, um, it's not all bad. <laughs> um, so I, I want to point out some positives. The games that I watched 
Rangers and Ruben, um, very closely watched. The things, the thing, there's a few really positive things, and that's the young players. Um, Alexander Maximenko, the goalkeeper, Mikhail Ignatov, um, who's doing very well. Um, there's rumors now that both of those players are being already scouted by bigger teams in Western Europe. Uh, I think Ignatov in particular, he has been really impressive, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he was, and, um, especially he was, he impressed everyone with his technique. Um, yeah, I think I retweeted that, but he did a, a combination of Cruyff turns and then, uh, it just in, in the game against Zenit, which was really, really pretty and, and beautiful to watch. And the, the technical aspects of his game is just on a very, very high level. The, the kid is 18 years old. If you haven't seen him, he plays in the position of central middle field, uh, kind of like box to box player. He's very, very te technical. He is, uh, very, He's not physical yet because he is a kid, but he is very tall for his mm -hmm. position. Yeah. At the same time, he is uh, very quick, and that's, that's why he is, it is interesting to see how technical he is. Because usually, when we see big players, they uh, play a little bit more of phys physicality. He use he will use his physicality, but like he's a kid, he's just eighteen. But it's also very important that he has his. Um, uh, unbelievable uh, technical skills. Uh, he has been in the team, and people have been talking about him for for a while. He played for Spartak uh, two and for the youth squad. Um, he, I look at him from two two kind of positions. If you look for him as a young talent, he is definitely a young talent, and hopefully he he has everything to become uh, you know one of the. Uh, top players in Spartak and maybe to play against uh, Zobnian eventually. At the same time, you kind of have to make a, a, give him a discount because he is a, a young player. If you look at him from just purely just normal football player, he is still a little bit raw for me. Um, he, because his position, like I, I watch him, I watch him closely because, um, He's an interesting player to watch, but if I just take take a look, uh, compare him to, for example, Fernando, who plays in in the same position, um, Mikhail Ignatov, he he made a lot of passes and pretty much hundred percent passes backwards, but he didn't make too many passes forwards, and the, if he made uh, for uh, forward passes, he made some mistakes. So it wasn't really good completion rate in terms of going forward. Also, he is slightly a little bit less. Uh, he's a bit shy. Or maybe a little bit cautious to go forward. So he plays this cautious position um, in a central midfield. He doesn't go really forward, like between the lines, for example, like you know, like with the best players in his position, for example, like Luka Modric can play, go between the lines, get the ball and pass it forward. That's his role. He doesn't do that yet, but obviously the kid is 18 years old. I cannot ask him really to do that because there's no experience. Obviously, he is he he's just starting out his career. So I think. Uh, just to summarize about him, obviously a super talented player, amazing technique for the for the Russian Premier League, but he needs to grow. There's definitely so much room for growth, um, and um, he definitely needs to step up the game and, like I said, pass a little forward and make those passes at 100% completion, or obviously not 100%, but close, close, increase that percentage, and also go forward between the lines. That's what Fernando is doing, that's what especially Roman Zobnin is doing right now. Fernando was injured, um, that's actually another story which we didn't cover, because Fernando Zaluish and Luis Adriano didn't travel to uh, Kazan to play away, and there were rumors that they didn't do 
in rebellion against uh, Massimo Carrera firing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is this is uh, there's no confirmation of that because Fernando got got a knock in the game against Rangers. Um, same goes for Zé Luis. He also had some some. He was also limping in the game. Luis Adrian didn't really have any injuries, but. That's also does not a very good sign. But uh, f- while the Fernando was away, Mikhail Ignatov replaced him. And if you compare it to the best Fernando, he's obviously missing out. Yeah. But there's definitely potential for growth. I just I just uh, pulled up his numbers here at Wuscott.com. And four games in the, the Premier League. Um, of course, he's, he plays mostly for Spartak 2, right, mm-hmm. um, Tim? So, um, unfortunately, n- there's not many start sites covering that league. So I can't really pull those numbers up yet. <laughs> I have to find <laughs> some, some, some Russian source, but, um, yeah, he's played 203 minutes for Spartak in, in the Premier League. And his pass completion is uh, 78.5%. That's actually pretty good. And, mm-hmm. um, in the Europa but, League, three- but lots of those passes were backwards. Exactly. So like what, what are those passes, right? Um, exactly. In the Europa League, it was actually 84%. Um, that's, mm-hmm. um, pretty, pretty good as well. Um, he had one shot on, he averages one shot per game, uh, 0.7 in the Europa League. Uh, when you look at his offensive numbers, um, 0.3 key passes in the Premier League so far. So th- this, this is like where you're saying what kind of passes are they, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, that's definitely, you're quite right. Not quite there yet. Um, maybe as a kid as well. Um, he he only averages sixteen point three passes as well per game. So this, I mean, the, the passes that he plays, they they're more safety passes. Um, yeah, and that's that's something that you need to work on technically. Quite good. I the thing too, and you're pointing this out is his size. I I thought he and uh, Spartak have him listed as an attacking midfielder. Um, I think. The way of his movements and the, the way he he was playing, he almost reminded me of, of another kid that we've been closely tracking, and that was Alfonso Davies. Mm. It's, it's a very similar build, so maybe Spartak just need to figure out how how to how to utilize him properly. And of course, if you have teams like Manchester United looking at him, um, there is there is there must be something there, right? Yeah, obviously, I, I'm pretty sure that the 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 talent is, is there. Is 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 inevitable. And like I said, with everything I said, you know, backward passes and um, you know, not going forward enough. The kid is 18 years. If he does that at at 18 years, you know, give him the proper coach. Again, a little bit of intent. Uh, give him, um, give him uh, time to play uh, the football in the top, in the top, top level, and I'm sure he will progress. So I really hope again because you know Fernando, um, Fernando, you know he's he's Brazilian and he's not, you know, if he probably gets a better offer, especially in these circumstances, he might go. He's also a little bit, um, you know, getting older. So eventually we will need this replacement as much as I love Fernando, but you know, he's not going to be there forever. So if he, if, if, if Mikhail Ignatov, who is our youth product will be the replacement eventually for Fernando, I will be just absolutely happy with that. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, real quick thoughts on Maximenko, um, because this is another player that has been apparently scouted. 
Um, very talented goalkeeper. I, I watched him quite closely in the, in the game against, um, Rangers. And I thought, um, while he, I, I questioned his decision making a little bit. Um, Tim, his box play is something that, that still worries me. Um, he, instead of catching the ball too often, he fists the ball. And when he's supposed to fist the ball, he catches the ball. Um, so that's, that's something that he still needs to work on quite a bit, in my opinion. And I, I, I'm sort of surprised that they're going with him or keeping him in goal for now. I mean, he's, he hasn't made any crucial mistakes, but there's small little things that I just noticed that I, it's just a little bit off. But on the other hand, it's a 20 year old keeper who, who's, who's doing quite well. I mean, again, he's not making any major mistakes, it's little things, and he hasn't really been caught out. So. Um, another really big talent, um, at Spartak. Um, Tim, we had a question come in about league leaders, Zenit. Um, mm-hmm. and the question was, I'm curious as someone that loosely been following Russian football for a while, I haven't heard much about Zenit's apparent fan racism problems since the big Glanz Corona debacle in 2012. Do you feel the club has addressed these issues simply or simply ignored them? So the Lance Corona debacle, of course, was the open letter. Um, sent to the club and various uh, posted online and then was translated all around the world, including the Guardian in England. Uh, it was a letter complaining about the club signing Witzel and Hulk, um, black players, right? Um, and the saying was, there is no black in the colors of Zenit, right? That was one of the Lance Krona sayings. So what is your thoughts on this? Is, I mean, I, I personally think that they, Zenit has done very well to become this global brand. They do very well addressing the issues of racism before games. Um, but is this something that is still a part of the fan scene or have they just really managed to hide it well? Well, I obviously have a bit of a biased opinion, but I'll try to be uh, professional in this conversation. Um, I'm pretty sure that Zenit is working on that. And I, I hope... And from what I hear, I don't follow Zenit's fan uh, activity on a daily basis, but I follow a little bit. And from what I see, I think I think it's getting a little bit better because, like you said, the, there was quite a few incidents which were absolutely disgusting. That the whole line about there's no black in Zenit colors, this is just absolutely ridiculous to me and um, disgusting. Uh, uh, but uh, like you said, uh, Zenit is working on a global brand, including the new stadium. Uh, they really don't need that. And I am sure that there's still uh, a few vocal uh, people in Zenit uh, fan groups. Like, And Zenit is not the only exception. I don't want to be all angels here. Spartak has those issues uh, as well. Many clubs do. Uh, but from what, as I understand, if I'll just take a look, I think it is getting a little bit better. I think those conversations about no black in, in color Zenit is getting less and less. Maybe... That's the issue because they didn't really purchase any, any, you know, any, um, players, um, of color, but, uh, I, I, I hope it's getting better because it's, it's absolutely disgusting. But, uh, 
really right now, right recently, there was nothing really happening, and I really hope that Zenith is working. I'm sure that the club uh, doesn't really need that side of thing, especially when they are building such a, a global brand. And going back to the local conversation, Gazprom is no different. They yeah. don't need the scandal around them. So they would do anything to to bring this conversation down. But I am sure, 100% certain, that there are still uh, vocal um, radical hooligans who have those opinions and um i won't be surprised if it if it will happen again at some point i don't know when and and how and i hope it will never happens but those people are there and um, i i won't be surprised if it will come back in some shape or form as unfortunate as it is but that's the nature of russian football and like i said i don't want to single out zenit that is happening in all clubs unfortunately i know that it got better Overall, if you take big, big, if you take a long period of time, because sometimes when the African players started coming to Russia, it was just absolutely disgusting yeah. to hear and watch. It is getting better. It is uh, people are getting uh, more tolerant and a little bit more educated and a little bit more intelligent. But don't be surprised if it is comes back at Zenit or maybe at any club because it's unfortunately it's still there. Yeah, uh, maybe just to add my thoughts uh, real quick to this. I think that St. Petersburg is the most conservative hipster city on the planet. Um, <laughs> it's it's a very, very, very hipster place, but people are very conservative at the same time. I know the two don't go well together, but if you have yeah. been there, it's so true. <laughs> you're right, you're right. It's it, For me, the, since St. Petersburg, Petersburgers, uh, people from Peter, they, 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 they're super hipster. But at the yeah. same time, they have a very conservative mindset, um, which is very, it's really odd to see those two things come together. And that's for me, the embodiment of, of St. Petersburg. It's a very beautiful city, but it's also a very, very, it's also a very European city, but it's also a very conservative, staunch Russian city, more so than Moscow in many ways. So that maybe explains it a little bit, you know, the, 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 that hip thing that Sinit is doing. And at the same time, you're still dealing with a fan base that thinks very, very conservatively. And, um, I think in that way, they, they, that's, that's something that they, um, they have addressed these issues and they're doing quite well at them. At the same time, I think that this, this is something that they will have to keep working on for quite some time. Um, but Tim, we need to stay with Sinit real quick. Um, let's let's thank the listener for the question, please. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. That was that was great. Very interesting question. Very deep knowledge of spa of Zenits and Russian football. So thanks for that, and keep them coming. Absolutely, it's a it's a fantastic question, and it's a and it's a question that we probably have to address again. And uh, the Lance Krona article is up on Football Grad. It's a few years old now because this was, of course, in 2012. But there is actually a very good article on this on footballgrad.com from. And Jan Matusevich, who wrote it back in the day. So please, if you have, if you want more insight of what's going on or what went on at Zenit back then, definitely check that out. Um, quick question to you, Tim. Are Zenit going to win the league? <laughs> You're asking the wrong person that question <laughs> to get the, to get an, uh, an over, <laughs> a neutral answer. I hope no, <laughs> but, uh, uh but to be serious for a moment and to be not super biased, uh, Zenit are six points ahead, but they have issues with their, with their football. It's it's inevitable. I've been talking for the couple of months now that uh, eventually Artem Zuba will um, lose his form because it's just impossible to play that well all season. And this is what's happening right now. Uh, Alexander.
Alexander Kokorin is still in jail, so their uh, their replacement up, up front is uh, is Zabalotny, who is not the top um, scorer, uh, sorry player striker in in the Russian league. Also, we need to really see. Uh, even with the quality of players they had, you cannot really say that Zenit is, has like an, a football identity. Yeah. Uh, a lot of was focused on uh, Artem Zuba, uh, a lot of attention and a lot of game because of his form and uh, that absolutely right decision. But uh, their game doesn't give me confidence. And you know that um, six points gap uh, to the second place, I see absolutely no problem Zenit slipping up twice. And that uh, gap being closed or being condensed to one, two points or to like a three points where you can um, decide that in, in a face-to-face game. So um, uh, to answer your question, again, bias, I hope not because I support another club and I want them to win the league. But uh, to be neutral, um, their game doesn't convince me at this point of the league that this six points gap is enough to win the league. They might win that. Because uh, because other fl- teams are also going through rebuild and their challenges, but it's not that obvious. Uh, their leadership they they've been in the first position for a while, but uh, the football they play doesn't give us the confidence that they will run away with the league. Yeah, only forty two percent possession against Krilia Sovetov, who were a man down. Uh, yeah, eighteen to eight shots in the last match. Uh, pass accuracy of just seventy seven percent. Those are not great numbers. I also want to add that I said that Krasnoda will win the league. Mm-hmm. Just want to throw it yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> They're second, such so as six points behind. And, um, and yeah, they play nice. Yeah. And they play good football. Um, this, this is, was one of the reasons why I thought that they would have a good chance because they're one of the few clubs that do. Zenit are facing Krosny and then CSKA. Uh, uh-huh. In the next couple of weeks. Um, they're then Krosny, in Rostov. Krosny. Grozny not that easy to play with Rashid Rahimov when they're back. And then they, they, they are in Rostov. Uh, mm-hmm. After CSKA, then Tula. And then, uh, the final game before the winter break, December 9th, uh, at home against Ruben Kazan. Exactly. That's not exactly. an easy run in. Uh, so Absolutely. I think the league will stay very, very tight, um, for that final stretch. Tim, we have to leave Russia. Um, and chat real quickly about the Ukrainian Premier League because it's the game of all games once again this weekend. And this is, yes, there will be a preview on, on footballgrad.com. Don't worry. We usually preview one or two games from Russia. Um, this, this week we'll have, we have to do the Shakhtar Donetsk against Dynamo Kiev preview game in Kharkiv. Um, it's Euro- Ukrainian Cup this week. Um, this is always a big one, Tim. Um, you know, it's one of those games that I, I always try to turn on and there's always drama and mm-hmm. always something happening. I remember a few years ago, uh, Junior Morales punching out a bunch of players and, uh, getting a five match suspension. It was so bad that he, uh, was loaned out to China for say four months. And funnily enough, the guy switched allegiances and, uh, moved from, from Dynamo Kiev to Schachter. <laughs> um, and I uh, did a story on this yesterday on footballgrad.com because this is one of the, the big subplots, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, he, believe it or not. So he, he told the media last year, and I think we had Vadim on for this, um, to explain it a little bit, but he told everyone he's not going to Dynamo 
and uh, everyone pretty much knew in February that that's uh, he's he's going to leave Dynamo for Shakhtar Donetsk. And he, everyone knew the press knew, and he's like he said to people's faces, he told Circus in the face, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not either I'm going to stay at Dynamo or I'm going to UAE or China. And then he went to Shakhtar anyway. <laughs> um, so he's not exactly a loved man in in Ukraine at the moment or at Dynamo fans. Um, but he scored 10 goals in his first 12 games in the league. So that's definitely an interesting subplot. <laughs> and I, I need to add this. The last two times Dynamo played Schachter, Dynamo won both those matches. And both times they refused to shake. The players refused to shake uh, Junior Morales' <laughs> hands. So lots going on. Uh, I, this is a game I'm really excited. I, I, so I, I bet you, like even in Russia, this is a game that's usually turned on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to watch it. I don't watch uh, Mariupol play versus Alexandria, but uh, I try to watch uh, Shakhtar Dynamo because it's, it's just unbelievable. I remember I watched this game when I just started uh, working with you, Football Grad and with you guys, and we had this game as one of the pre-match. I don't know. That was probably a couple of years ago when I just started. And I, I rarely watched those games before, and I was amazed by the level of football both teams played. It was it was very good European football. The quality was absolutely compared, you know, even to the Russian league between those two teams. The quality was absolutely very. The the completion of passes, you know, the, it was attack, attack, attack. There were so many good chances. Perfect um, game from the goalies. I was so impressed, and after that, I decided that I will watch, try to watch this game every time I can. Yeah. And I hasn't been disappointed since. Um, you know, remember the last time we talked about uh, Ukrainian national team? We spoke yeah. about um, uh, lots of young players which are coming up in both clubs. Who would you say are players to watch um, amongst those young Ukrainian players who who will play in, uh, in in a part in this game and who hopefully will become a part of the future success of Ukrainian national team? Definitely Viktor Sihankov from Dynamo Kiev. Um, definitely look out for him. I, I like, I like to highlight him as much as I can. He's, he's such a great talent. And for him, the best thing that could have happened is when they sold Yamolenko to Dortmund because it gave him the, the room to grow as a player. And he's, he's definitely one to watch. Um, Bezidin would be another. He's unfortunately out injured. Um, we don't know when he's going to be back, but Dynamo Kiev also spent a lot of money on Vladislav Sopria, um, a young player from Nepo too, right? I remember I, I mentioned him, um, I think two, two or three weeks ago. So he's, he's another one, um, I really like. Um, he's a very, very good player and he, he's getting plenty of playing time. And then the Shakhtar Donetsk, look out for all the Brazilians. <laughs> yeah, they, they surprise, a, surprise. Yeah, <laughs> they signed a, a new army of Brazilians. Um, Machino Cipriano, Fernando, who has been playing quite well, and a player who I really liked. He scored a fantastic goal in the Champions League against um, Hoffenheim, was Mike Conn. So that's oh, yeah. someone I, I would look out to as a central midfielder. Um, Schachter is always very good at finding these Brazilians, bringing them to Ukraine, turning them into superstars and then selling them for tons of money to somewhere else, right? Um, so yeah, that's someone I want to look out to. And I want to, no, he's an established player, he's a bit older, but Jaroslav Rakitsky. Oh uh, yeah. Tim. I think he's one he's of the best. He's safe against City. Yeah. I think he's one of the best defenders in, in Europe. 
He just does not get enough praise. He's tactical, so good. Here's a defender, a center back who who shoots corner kicks and free kicks. Yeah, he's he's magical on free kicks. He just like comes. Yeah, and his distribution from the back. He's he's just a very 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 good center back. I think he's one of the most underrated players on the continent. I, I mean, I can I personally think he's. I I don't know. Um, I don't know how no one has really given him a chance, maybe looked at him and said, like, don't you want to play for a bigger club? Because I think he should be. But, um, we'll get to see him in the, in the Ukrainian derby. And, um, so that's, that's, I always say, like, look, people always ask me, who do you want to point out a shot there? And they said, obviously, it's all the Brazilians, but they have a pretty good center back there with, uh, Jaroslav Makitsky. <laughs> so definitely a player to look out to, um, look out for in this match. So yeah, that's that's my list <laughs> of players to watch. Um, there will be, of course, a football grad preview, and um, where we where I'm going to do a big detailed breakdown of both teams, where they are in the league, what we always have the two players to watch, right? And uh, I'll give a little bit of a prediction as well. But Tim, I think we're out of time. Um, we've done it. Yeah, that again. was an emotional pro podcast. Yeah, it was very emotional. Um, we have a lot of those. Maybe next week we actually get to talk about some football. That's <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tim, where can people find you? What have you been up to other than uh, rocking Vancouver? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. People can find me at Russian Tim sixty one, and you can talk um, at on Twitter talk uh, Spartak Moscow to me because this is I've been arguing with people there sometimes in Russian, but uh, obviously you can translate. But yeah, if 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 you, uh, anything of, of my rant about Spartak Moscow and Master Macarera strike, stroke any interest. So send me a message and you can also follow me, uh, on Instagram, Russian, uh, sorry, Rocket from Russia and also my band, Russian team and Pavel Borez. This is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Always a good follow. Yeah. You can, you can find me at Manuel Vef on Twitter. Um, I do all sorts of things, Russian football, Ukrainian football. A uh, lot of MLS work these days. I'm, I'm the Pro Soccer USA, uh, Vancouver Whitecaps correspondent. And then, of course, Bundesliga, tons of Bundesliga. So all of that can be found on my Twitter or the this podcast or football uh, gegenpressing podcast can be found at Football Grad Live. Well, that's it. Emotional podcast. All done. <laughs> wrapped up. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, das wird dann hier. Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at Conair.com and search Unbound. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.